Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Two Brain Radio with Sean Woodland. On today's episode, I am joined by six-time CrossFit Games athlete Margot Alvarez. Two Brain Radio with Sean Woodland is brought to you by Two Brain Business. To learn how to generate profit and take your business to the next level, check out Founder, Farmer, Tinker, Thief by Chris Cooper, available now on Amazon. Margot Alvarez has been to the CrossFit Games six straight times. Her best finish was ninth in 2015. It was the same year that she won the Pedal to the Metal 1 event, the event with a pegboard being introduced for the first time. She is also the owner of the wine company The Vineyard. She joins me on the phone to talk about her recent appearance at the Rogue Invitational, her decision to step away from individual competition, and how her athletic career has helped her become a successful business owner. Thanks for listening, everyone. Margo, thanks for being here. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are yourself? I'm doing well. Really appreciate you taking the time here. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about the past weekend really fast, and we got to see you compete at the Rogue Invitational. Uh, final yeah. event, you did really well. You got an awesome send-off from the crowd. And I'm just curious, what was that moment like for you? Uh, it was an amazing experience to be able to have the crowd out there cheering and celebrating. Um, obviously, not only that workout, but just the past years in my in the sport. It was just really euphoric, and I'm very grateful for that moment, uh, and I hold it really special to my heart, being able to see video of it and, like, see pictures. It uh, it brings a big smile to my face. I'm just really grateful for the community that have been a part of my journey since the beginning. There are, amazing. Yeah, and it was fantastic. I really – I had goosebumps when I was watching. You gave a great interview with Ro. Uh, and it was just Thanks. a really – yeah, it was just a really emotional moment and a really cool moment. But how did you come to this, the decision that, you know what, I'm done now with my competitive career. It's time to move on. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, looking back on the past eight years, there's a point where I think, you know, you kind of see where you're at in the sport and, you know, if you're evolving forward and growing forward. And obviously every year it gets harder and harder and there's other talent, individual, talented individuals coming up. And I think that's the point where I was trying to spend the same amount of time in the gym while also trying to build the wine company and my wine business and get that off the ground and running and be able to give both um, projects both my attention. It was becoming harder and harder. And obviously, I was able to make it happen the past few years. But it's getting to the point where, you know, what I want to do with the business, I want that to grow more with the wine and be able to get into distribution. It's like I was coming to the realization that I needed to spend more time there. And that training individually um, just wasn't in the books anymore. It wasn't getting to the point where I could physically be able to do both like you can do it i've been able to do it but obviously one thing might suffer the amount of time in the gym might have to be compromised a little bit because i need to spend more time in the business so it's kind of getting the point where it's like all right i need to figure out what i want to focus on and i've had a great run in the sport competing the past eight years and i think it was my time to say all right let's maybe close this this door for individual competing and let me spend that additional time that I was in the gym maybe towards building the business and um, growing the company and that was kind of leading up to this this past year, like this last few months, four or five months, and realizing that the Rogue Invitational would have been my indiv- last individual competition was something that became a little more uh, set in stone as I got closer and closer to May. Okay, let's go back now. How did you first find CrossFit? Uh, so, well, it's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I'd heard about it through some friends, and they're like, oh, you should try you know, this CrossFit. I was like, nah, I'm, I'm <laughs> doing my running. I'm doing my obstacle courses. Um some friends who kind of told me about it and I heard about it through mutual friends and it was kind of like the little trickling in the background was like, Oh, you know, you should check it out. And 
months went by and I never did. And then I finally, with a friend, decided I was like, all right, I'll go drop it in a class and check it out. And I remember it being snatches and burpees. And I'd never done a snatch. I didn't know what a snatch was. I <laughs> never really used a barbell. So it was like completely foreign and unique. But I, um, I fell in love with it. And I think that component of pushing myself against myself was really unique and different that I hadn't had. And the community for sure was something I never had in the gym before. So it was, um, it was something that stuck in my head, burned in my head. And I was like, I want to I wanna do this more. And that was back in 2011. So eight years ago, over eight years ago. What was it then that, that motivated you to become a competitor? I think um, the first, I think the first inkling I saw of it was at the SoCal Regionals in 2011. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing like Katie Hogan and Becca Voigt lining up for the thruster ladder. I was like, man, this is so rad. This is really cool. Like, I want to be able to do that. I would love to be able to push myself and see if I can be on that floor competing like these women. Um, and that was the first little bit of competition that I saw that I wanted to try. And then two months later, a month and a half later, being at the games when I volunteered that year mm-hmm. and seeing the athletes of the games, I was like, man, that's amazing. I want to be able to see if I can do that too. And I I was the very naive um <laughs> Kool-Aid drinking girl at that point where it's like, I'm going to go to the games. And people were like, you're crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, in my mind, I was like, hey, man, I, I don't know what's possible or how I need to get there or what I need to do to get there. So I was just like, I'm going to try whatever I need to do. So that was the first kind of start of me wanting to compete. When was sort of the, the rude awakening where you where you kind of figured that, oh, okay, this one class a day thing just ain't going to cut it. And I really have to up my training to the next level. I think, I think right after the games, I was like, I had really, there was a shift in um, the month prior in July. I declined um, the job that I was at was moving and I declined to move. I said, you know, I won't, I won't take the position. I'll, you know, I'll take the package, the severed package. And, you know, I'll, I'll focus on coaching. Cause I just received my level one the month before that in June. So I was like, you know, I'll, I'll coach and I'll, I'll do whatever I need to take to be able to have time in the gym and train. And so I think that was kind of the pivot point where I was like, all right, I need to train more more than just the cross a day and that was five months in six months into crossfit Mm -hmm. um and again at that it's it's funny because back then i look back at them now i look back at my younger self and it's like man i was definitely naive and i was like yeah i want to do it six (laughs) months in and now it's like you look people that have been doing crossfit for six months like i recommend like hey like get a good year of experience under your belt not saying that anyone can't do it underneath that but you just when you're in it i don't think you know you don't understand Mm -hmm. that 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 ignorance can be bliss in a way yeah um and so i would say that kind of a six month time period was like i need to do more and so i started training more i would do you know the class or i would do a session in the morning lifting and then two metcons and just trying to do more to learn and understand what i need to get do to get at that competitive level do you remember the moment where you you said you know what i really can do this and, and you knew that you could be a games athlete um it's interesting because i think back like at 2011 games and just thinking like, I can do that. Like, I don't know what it takes to get there, but I can do it. Just in my mind, I had mm-hmm. that belief. And again, that ignorance thing, I can, I can get there. And then, I mean, that was 2011. And I think the, the point where it was 2000, I think 2013 leading up to 2013, I'd been with Alex about a year and he, you know, he had coached me. He'd helped me. We, we've been together for again, about a year at that, that mm-hmm. time. And I think there was a point where it's like, I believed and I visualized myself being on that podium that it's like, not that I expected to be on there, but I was like, I, I see myself on the podium. I can do it. 
And as the, at the same time, on the other side of the coin, it was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the, the guarantee results. I'm competing in a field that's so deep. People have been competing for years. It's like, what's the realistic, real, the realistic um, numbers or percentage of me actually getting that podium? And if you look at who I was as a competitor back then, it was like, yeah, there's no way you're going to make it. But in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And then when it happened and I qualified and they called my name, I was like, holy crap. At first, it was kind of unreal. But I think it was at that point where it's like, I made it. I did it. And obviously, it was a lot of hard work that went into it. But it's like, I think that belief and that faith and that visualization and that, again, that ability to just say, hey, this is what I want. That was at the moment where I was like, man, I did it. And I can be a competitor because I now am a competitor at that level, being able to call myself a CrossFit athlete. So you competed at the game six times. And when I think about, when I think about the moments I remember from your competitive career, I think of the pedal to the metal event where you got the farthest of anybody in that one. And then I think about last year in the row marathon, what is your (laughs) most memorable moment at the games? Um, I think those two for sure up there. I think the, the row for sure um just because having the workout go exact not i mean pretty much close exactly to how i wanted it and having Mm -hmm. it all fall through was amazing i think another um amazing experience was in 2013 that 2000 i think it was a 2007 workout where it was the 1k row 25 Mm -hmm. pull-ups and the seven shoulder overhead i think at the moment i kind of having things come together with like my butterfly pull-ups and being the stadium with the lights and the crowd cheering and yelling and just getting to cross that finish line and look up and just see everyone so supportive. It's like that's the community that you see in the gym on a on a daily workout of the day. That you go to a gym and a box and people are cheering you on, whether you're first, last, in the middle, doesn't matter. But kind of seeing that and seeing that parallel between, even though it's a huge stadium and it's a different context than what you might see in the gym on a daily workout, but it was like that parallel of like, now we're all here supporting one another. Like that was amazing and epic, and it gives me kind of goosebumps like talking about it right now. So I think those would be the top three moments that I've had. When um, that row marathon was announced, I remember thinking, oh, Margot will do well at this because we've always talked about, at least the update show crew, we would always talk about how mentally tough you were. What yeah. What are your memories from going through that workout? Because that just seemed like it was awful. Yeah, I think um, the, the biggest memories I think of were like, focus on my pace, focus on my breathing. Um, um, just try to think of everything and anything that either brought a smile to my face or that would maybe distract me. <laughs> um, at the same time, it's like I knew I had a, a plan for like the first 1K, then the second 1K, and then the remaining meters. I think the one thing that stuck in my mind the biggest was like just think of it in a positive manner, meaning as I was rowing, instead of like, oh, man, I'm only halfway or, oh, I have 20,000 meters. It's like, cool, I have. 8,000 meters down or, Oh, I'm already past the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. like, Oh man, like I only have 10,000 meters left to row. Like any positive connotation was something that was huge in my mind. And then the other thing I remember, I had friends that, that were directly in front of me, uh, Jen and Amanda, and they would like every once in a while, they'd yell my name when it was like kind of quiet. Cause I mean, you're sitting in, in yeah. stands for like three, four hours. <laughs> um, and so I think it was them and then having friends, yeah, you know, uh, and then having my family off to the left and having them, you know, looking up at them and seeing them smile. And, you know, something that was really, um, really memorable if I look back at it and obviously being able to finish that row and get off and just be like, hell yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't know why, but that is still, that was such a cool event. I know it was just a bunch of people sitting on rowers, but it was just, I was really shocked at how many people were in the crowd watching just a bunch of people on rowers. And that's when I said to myself, I was like, these fans will watch the best athletes in the world basically do everything. 
you know, or do anything. Yeah, and so, and it's funny because I remember in 2013 when the half marathon row was was, was, uh-huh. was released, people were like, "Man, no one's going to watch a row for half like for a half marathon." But it's like people literally watch like mm-hmm. little rowboats on their computer yep. and on the screen like go off for like an hour and a half. But it's like that's where it's like as much as it might seem mundane, it's at the same time it's kind of unique. So it's like, man, like what's going to happen? Right. Who's going to get it? Mm-hmm. So yeah. What about your career do you think you're the most proud of? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I think the biggest thing is obviously, obviously like looking back to the past eight years, um, staying true to myself and just being able to be part of the community from day one. I think that's something that I've loved. I mean, as much as an accomplishment I've gotten at the highest level within CrossFit, that's been great. And that's, I think that's the moment that people might see the, the most because that's where it's highlighted with the TVs or the cameras or, you know, the sharing on social media, people see that, but it's like, I think the community being able to go into a gym and meet the people that are coming in every single day that are making time out of their day to work on their health and fitness and being able to share that moment together at the gym. I think that's something that I have the most memories of, and that's the way I spent most of my time. You spend most of your time training more so than you are on the competition floor. And I think I'm most proud of being able to just share that experience with the community and share that people um, along my journey while them working on their own journey as well. Some people may not know that you are quite an accomplished golfer. Um, where where are you at right now with your golf game and what you're planning to do with that moving forward? I would say the focus going forward is to focus on world long drive specifically. I grew up playing golf for about 10 years, mm-hmm. um, played in junior high, high school. I was at all state level golf, golfer in high school. Didn't continue in college, just would play for fun and on the side with friends. And now that my CrossFit career is coming to a close as an individual, I'm now shifting my focus more to that long drive. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential there, not only for myself, but people that are also interested in possibly getting into golf. Um, and I'm excited to explore that because, one, it's something I've enjoyed. I, I love it. I love being outdoors. Nature is something that I've always kind of connected with. And so being able to spend more time with that and being able to see the athlete that I've become over the past eight years, I can now use my strength and speed and technique and everything that I've learned through weightlifting. I can actually apply that obviously to golf. And there's a lot of technical things with golf in terms of the swing and the shaft mm-hmm. and the club you're using. But um, I'm really excited to spend more time with that and be able to share my knowledge and experience with the community and the people that are uh, following my journey. What's your longest so drive right now? Longest drive right now is 329. Uh, the goal is Man. to get to 350 and 375 and eventually 400. Wow. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. That's awesome. What is it about the sport of golf that appealed to you from such a young age? I think the that mental aspect, like, it's, you might be on a team of, you know, four other players and yourself, so you're a team of five, but I think it's ultimately it comes down to you versus yourself. It's a very big mental game like you have 18 holes if you're playing on the course or you have for long drive you have eight shots you can't want one you can't let one shot get to your head and mess with your mindset because mm-hmm. you have so many more holes or so many whole shots to go so i think it's that's something that's really intrigued me is that you have to have patience a lot of patience with yeah. golf and i think a lot of people would agree with that oh no doubt um, yeah yeah that's so why i was think, never uh, good at it think, <laughs> 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 yeah so i think that's the biggest component of that mental aspect is really intriguing to me. And it seems like that, you know, we, again, you're, we always talk about your, you know, your mental game and CrossFit. How did golf 
help you develop that when you transition over to uh, being a CrossFit competitor? I think it definitely helps refine that mental aspect. Um, picking up a sport that requires a lot of patience and a lot of, um, like, uh, you have to keep that cool mindset and not let the frustration or let emotions get to you. I think learning that at a young age helped mold me as an individual, having that, that mental fortitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you're walking the course for four or five hours and you have to stay calm and you can't let emotions get to you. You have to almost compartmentalize if you're getting upset or angry, you have to be able to like maybe recognize that and push that to the side. And I know that's something that people practice a lot in yoga where it's like you might have thoughts, but you need to push them to the side. So I think developing that at a younger age helped me um, transfer that as I got older into, you know, my mid twenties, yeah. late twenties when I started CrossFit. Would you ever want to get your tour card? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. That's a, maybe to be determined. I'm mm-hmm. going to focus on the world long drive first. And then uh, if there's an opportunity, that presents itself to do um, like a qualification for the tour, then that might be something to entertain later down the road. Okay. Let's uh, now talk about the business that you have going. Uh, yeah. You have a, you have a wine business and I know nothing about wine business. So just give me the elevator pitch. What does your business do? Um, so our business, we, um, we take obviously wine that we've created and we've um, developed from the our pastor, like from Pastorobus and where we do all the winemaking, mm-hmm. and we've packaged it in a way where we're presenting not only a product to our customers and our consumers, but also a lifestyle um, and a message that you work hard and you can wind down at the end of the day. We all are on our own journeys. Um, we all bust our ass, whether it's in the gym or in your career or your schooling or your profession, whatever it might be. And at the end of the day, we should be able to celebrate the successes and celebrate the struggles that we go through. And that, you know, it doesn't always have to be wine that you come down and relax with. It could be bonbons on your couch. It could be hanging out with your kids. But the goal and the message that we're sharing with people is that, you know, you work hard, like celebrate the successes at the end of the day because life is short and you want to be able to enjoy the process. And you're spending so much more time in the grind towards your goals more so than actually achieving that goal. And so we want to be able to promote that message is like, hey, you know, enjoy the enjoy the moment that you have now. Um, tomorrow, next year may not be guaranteed. So just be present as much as you can. How did you get into the wine business? So we've done home production wine, um, for the past like five, six years. And we wanted to be able to share that message and share our passions with wine. If you look at the parallel of wine, how to make wine, it, you know, it takes a long time. You need the wine to sit in barrels and be aged for 12 to 18 months or longer. Uh, you can't just make wine and drink it the next month, you know? And so... The process that we did for the past five years, learning how to make it and share it with our ourselves and our family, was really unique and exciting. We loved it, and we thought, "Hey, let's share this with people and let's actually create a wine company and be able to share our product." And obviously, it was a lot harder than what we anticipated. And our minds were like, "Oh, this shouldn't be that hard or challenging." Um, we were way wrong in that aspect. <laughs> um, we've learned a lot of like legalities and issues with having to deal with alcohol specifically. And it's been obviously a huge climb up mountain, but it's been rewarding at the same time. So I think if you look at the parallel between, you know, CrossFit and a business is in the CrossFit realm. If you go train, right, you want to go learn how to snatch or do a pull up. It's like you have to put in the work. You have to be patient. You'll slowly get to the goals. You won't just snatch 200 pounds right away or you won't just be able to do 30 pull ups unbroken. It takes time. And so I think the biggest thing that we've learned with this business is obviously having to be patient, but constantly working and evaluating our work to find out what's the best way to market, what's the best way to get into distribution, how can we connect with others and tell our story. 
Um, and so obviously getting into it because I have a passion for wine mm-hmm. has been great, but also um, knowing how to adapt and learn from what works and what doesn't work has allowed us to keep pushing. And it's hard. It's, I mean, it's, it'll be two years this July with the business and it, it seems like it's been way longer, but it's like, obviously the work that you put into it can draw things out. Um, but it's been amazing to immerse myself within the community. And I'm constantly learning, obviously as a business owner of what works, what doesn't work, but putting myself in the environment where I can, you know, challenge myself and allow ourselves to grow is, um, it's a constant battle, but it's a, it's a good battle. What is your specific role? Uh, I, so I'm, I would say be all of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, it's funny, Alex and I were just talking about it yesterday. It's like, we are the sales team. We are the um, representatives of the company. We are, I mean, everything from the beginning, we do all the the orders, we do all the fulfilling, we do all the sales events, in-person events, marketing events. Um, we're, we're, I guess we're everything. We're from the A through Z position. And I mean, I like it because I like having that hands-on. I like being mm-hmm. part of the process. It just comes down to time management and being able to do it all. If we're trying to travel for events, um, in being one location, then it's hard to be in another location to promote it at another location or restaurant. And so it's, um, I love being part of every process and every role, but it's, uh, it can be challenging at times when you have limited, limited days or limited time in a day. When you decided to get this thing off the ground, what were some of the, just the biggest challenges you faced right off the bat and how did you overcome those? The biggest challenges were getting licensing, um, being able to get that approval because obviously nothing would happen without the licensing. It was something that we had to struggle with. We had to kind of break it down into processes. So Alex and I sat down and was like, what's the first step? Focusing on the harvest. Then the second step was applying for the licensing. And we had had to wait for about five, six months for that. Once we got the licensing, then it was the infrastructure of getting the wine bottled, getting the wine shipped out, um, and then being able to get that process set up. So it's like anyone that orders online, okay, what's the process? They place the order, then we need to fulfill it. Making sure all that happened kind of one step at a time was great because trying to do it all at once, it just wasn't realistic. We could, didn't have the manpower, woman power to do it all at once. So we set up a process of like, what's the steps we want to do it and what order do we want to do it? And that allowed us to overcome it. And that took about a good, in the first year, it took a whole year to be able to get all that. Licensing took about six months. So, we had to be really patient with that, but we couldn't have done anything without that license. So that was the hardest. Yeah. I would say that was one of the biggest hardest steps is being patient with that and kind of hoping and praying that we got it, but <laughs> knowing that we did everything in our power to get it. And then we know you go from there. What is the biggest mix, misconception that people have about wine and winemaking in general? I think, um, I think a lot of people, at least that we've learned recently is that, and you go to drink wine, it's like, oh, I don't know anything about wine. You need to know the exact wine and you need to know the grapes or the soil. You need to know everything about it to enjoy it. And I think there's a big misconception where it's like, you know, you know, you enjoy what you like. I think breaking that barrier, thinking that it's something that's exclusive, like you can't be a part of it or you can't have it unless you know everything about it. And I think breaking that barrier down and talking to people about it and making it maybe a little more relatable. It's like, hey, what kind of wine do you like? It doesn't have to be like, oh, well, I like these type of grapes it's like it could be red or white it's like oh i like white wine or i like dry wine i like fruitier wine sweeter wine sweeter wine and so i think being able to break that barrier down and explain to people it's like hey it's it's what it comes down to what you like what you enjoy and i think a lot of people think like winemaking can be really hard and there's a lot of like chemistry to it for sure 
Uh, and once you learn how to make the wine and the process behind it, it's not that challenging. The hardest part and the hardest, I think, barrier that people don't see or realize is actually wine selling, like being able to sell your product because you're out there with 10,000 other brands or 10,000 other labels. Like how does yours stand out from everyone else? What distinguishes yours or why should someone buy your product or your wine over someone else? So I think that's the hardest part now is being able to see, um, you know, how do you sell the wine? How do you package it? So someone purchases your your wine over someone else's, or they come buy my wine over someone else's. Yeah, I actually so wanted. That's, to, I think the biggest conception. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. What you just mentioned, you, there are so living here in California. I mean, there's just so many winemakers and so many wineries. So how do you yeah. set yourself apart in that world? Um, the biggest thing that we've cried, we've established here in Vegas was creating those relationships with people. It's like, hey, we're not just selling our products. Like, here's our wine. You know, good luck, sell it. We want to create relationships with people. Uh, we want to create. Um, not only that, that one sided, oh, here's, you know, here's my product that I'm giving you that you're going to be putting in your restaurant, you're going to be selling on the shelf. We want to be able to create those relationships and a, a story with people so people can connect to it. I think that we're in a time now where people want to feel like they're a part of something. They want to feel mm-hmm. like they're cultivating or they're giving back or they're, they're going to be a part of something as it goes along. And that's something that we've established right from the beginning. It's like, hey, I want to, I want to share my journey with people because I want us to go through this together. Like, we not my, we may not go through every step together, but it's like we want to share this part together. I want to celebrate my successes with other people's successes. I want to share my struggles so people can understand that like they're not the only ones going through that. And so for us, it's been really important to communicate our message and our brand and our story of, hey, we're all in this journey together. We all might be on different paths in terms of where we started and where we're going, but we're all in this process together. It's like let's celebrate it together. Let's be a part of it together. And one of our wine labels is called the GOAT, Greatest of All Time. And I think it's relatable, obviously, to maybe the younger generation. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really, I think it's a place where people can connect in terms of, hey, you're the greatest of all time in whatever your field is or whatever your passion is. And if I think people kind of relate to sports because that's where they hear greatest of all time. And it could be relatable to sports, but it also could be relatable to the your job or your career. It's like you're the greatest broadcaster or you're the greatest mom or whatever you're going for that's something that we want to share with others. And so that was a perfect label yeah. um, and wine to be able to showcase that as our, as our kind of our carrier pigeon, if you think of it. <laughs> How do you determine what flavors you want to take to market? So we find, obviously we spending a lot of time tasting the juice, um, the grape juice, the wine, making sure it's something that's enjoyable. We want to be able to create a good product and a good wine, but also want to package it in something that's unique and, different so it, so it stands out right mm-hmm. you look at a wine label you look at a wine bottle you know you might see something that kind of grabs your eye that, that catches your attention um and so for us it's like we're tasting the wine we're blending the wine we're spending time mixing those percentages like all right do we want 50 percent petite syrah and 50 percent petite bordeaux or do we want to do 80 20 um and so people might think like oh that sounds like a terrible hard job and obviously you're joking <laughs> like yes wine and research development is so hard um <laughs> But a lot of it comes down to, you know, having the wines blend together and how they've aged um, and how they're going to work together in the bottle and then what we want to showcase to people. So it's a lot of a lot of time, but it's, it's worth it. It's enjoyable because it's like there's so much history that goes involved into it in terms of what we want to mix. And then we get to present that to people. We get to tell them about the journey and share that with them. And people's faces kind of light up, like hearing about the story, like how they decided which wines to go together. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really cool. What would you say your specialties are right now specialties as far as flavor goes and or or yeah i would i would say petite syrah 
like okay. blend. I would say blends in general, like mm-hmm. red blends in general would be our specialty. Um, majority of our wines are red blends. Um, and I think one that I'm, that I love and a lot of people have given us really good feedback is the petite Syrah blend. So we have the goat, which is petite Syrah, mm-hmm. Syrah, Grenache and snack. And then we have moderation, which is a petite Syrah, Syrah and Grenache blend as well. And I would say those would be our specialties. What are the biggest challenges that you face as a business owner? I would say the biggest challenges would be, um, one, being able to stand out in a very saturated industry, being able to make ourselves well-known since we're a smaller company. Um, another big hurdle is uh, financials, being able to make sure that we're growing, being able to continuously find resources so that we can grow and build so we can put more money into marketing or advertising so we can travel for events. I would say those would be the two biggest um, kind of obstacles or constant, cha- constant challenges that we face as a small business. It really sounds like as I'm listening to you talk, how that you know you were set up really well to be successful in this line of business, given your your golfing experience and what you know having to be patient with that, uh, given mm-hmm. your CrossFit experience, given you know that you said you have to be okay with your micro progressions. How did yeah. your athletic career prepare you to be a business owner? That is a great question. I think it's um, I think all that patience and that time leading up to it like from day one to where I'm at now, like you think of my athletic career within CrossFit, it took eight years from day one to day now. Um, also the process of golf. I mean, I was golfing for 10 years, but it's being patient to that entire process. I think, um, I think like the entire experience within my sports have transferred over with like small business. It takes time. You can't just expect to, you know, grow from day one to, you know, day 30 or six months on the road, a year down the road. I think being patient in that process. I think you look at like the process of winemaking, right? It is a very long process. It starts with the harvest, right? You're harvesting the grapes. Then it goes to maturation. You're crushing the grapes. You're letting the grapes sit with the skin. And then you have fermentation. The fermentation can take uh, weeks, multiple weeks. Then from there, you need to go let, let the wine age. And how does the wine age? I mean, it could be anywhere from 12 months to 18 months for the aging, just in the barrel. Then you have the bottling. And then after the bottling, the wine's going to sit in the bottles for another year or so, depending on the wine. So I think that process that I've gone through in fitness and seeing the process in winemaking has allowed me to be in a position where now it's like, all right, this is a small business. I kind of have to think of the same thing. I need to go through the first step of like building my brand, building the company, bringing awareness to my, to my name and my company. And then after so many months and years, I'm now having the final product, the final wine ready to present. That's now like I have this company that I'm able to share with the world, not just a small niche market. Yeah. And it's, it's been incredible because obviously I've been able to start that with CrossFit. It's a very small community, but it, has gr- it will grow. And we have aspirations of growing to be able to have that network within the entire world um, and be able to share that with everyone. Again, it just takes time and yeah. patience. Right. So along those lines, what is your kind of long-term plan? What do the next five years look like for your business, do you think? Um, we'd like to get into distribution. So we're in distribution in Vegas right now. Um, the goal is to get into distribution in other states. We would like national distribution, meaning in every state possible, uh, and that will take some time. Um, we'd like to be able to do more in-person events. We'd like to be able to have our, our product on shelves not only in restaurants, but also liquor stores. We'd like to be able to get to the point where um, we can bring in athletes of all backgrounds and showcase and teach them 
bring educa- educational pieces um, about the winemaking process, about small business, about mentorship, about um, empowering people to go after their goals. And um, that's something we'd like to be able to grow in the next three to five years. I mean, obviously, the sooner the better. But again, mm-hmm. it's a process and right. got to be patient with that. Everyone has things that they would do differently when they they start their business when you look back on the beginning of it, what are some of the things that you wish you could go back and maybe do over again? Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> I would say kind of, I mean, if I could go back and tell myself from the beginning, it's like obviously have patience, know that it's going to be harder than anticipate. And it, it's tough because I think back to like when I first started CrossFit, it's like I had that very innocence is bliss kind of like, Oh, yeah. everything's going to work out. and It's going to be <laughs> great. I'm going to make it. And I think um, looking back now, it's like I would, you know, tell myself, hey, like, what would I do differently? It's like be a little more patient or maybe prepare or plan to know that, you know, financial resources is going to be knowing that that's going to be a little more of a challenge and maybe planning for that a little bit more in advance. I think that'd be one one thing that I would definitely be able to, you know, share with myself and change differently. So it would allow us for more growth. Um, It's tough because like we're at where we're at because of the decisions we make. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's, you know, it's not a good thing because you learn from it. But I think, um, I think those would be the, the main, those two things would be the main thing that I would kind of tell myself at the beginning of this process (laughs) to where I'm at now. What what have you, what have you learned about just yourself in general going through this whole thing? Um, I'm, I've learned that I'm one tough cookie. (laughs) (laughs) I think we already Um, knew that. Yeah. I think, um, I think uh, it's funny. I was just talking this morning to Alice. It's like, I feel like no matter what work would be that needs to be done, we would do it. We would get it done that like whatever the hard task that is in front of us, we would get it done. And I think I've learned that like, I'm very resilient. I have very thick skin. Um, I'm able to compartmentalize a lot of things, whether that be emotions, frustrations, happiness, or whatever it might be. Um, something that Alex and I talked a lot in my fitness career and within CrossFit and my competitive athlete career is that, you know, you've got to be accountable to your goal. You've got to review what you're doing. You've got to be able to have a plan and be able to execute that. You have to be able to enjoy yourself and be patient. And so I've learned a lot about applying that not only in the gym, but now applying it to business and applying it to uh, running a small business and, you know, making sure that I'm accountable to what I'm doing each day. And um, I think just, you know, keep striving forward. It's like, I know I'll continue to take that next step as much as it might be hard or, you know, it might not, that foundation that I'm going to step on may not be there, but I know that I'm going to put in the work to create that foundation for that step and create that foundation for the next, um, process with the business. I mean, I see pictures of you on social media out there with the wheelbarrows, you know, and getting your hands dirty and doing some, you know, what looks like backbreaking labor out in the, out in you know, hot yeah. temperatures and sweating. It's like, it's not, it's not glamorous, but what is the best part about this whole endeavor for you? I think being able to look back at the end of the day and reflect on where we started to where we're at now, like it's perfect example saying, you know, we're in the fields, we're harvesting, we're out there for 10, 12 hours, harvesting grapes, slow, monotonous work. But like looking back and reflecting back on that, like, man, like we started with nothing. We had no infrastructure set up. We had no labels. We had no balls. We had nothing set up. We were non-existent. And then now almost two years later, it's like we, we created something that we created. It's like our baby in a way. It's like we created a business. We created all this label, these labels, these wines. We've got into uh, distribution. And it might seem small compared to other companies and other brands. But it's like, man, we, we actually have formulated something to actually have it come to fruition. It's like, 
I think it's something that reminds me, it's like, hey, man, give yourself a pat on the back. Because I think that's really hard to do as I feel like who I am as an individual. It's like I'm constantly pushing for the next best thing. Mm -hmm. And I think people can relate out there that are going for goals. Like you're constantly, what's next? Like business school or, you know, fitness school or kids school or family goal, whatever it is, you're constantly pushing. It's like if you never take a moment to step back and, again, it might seem cliche or ironic, you know, stop and smell the roses. Roses. (laughs) But as much as much as that is cliche, it's so true. And that's something that we yeah. try to continue to preach and push is like, take a moment to step back and relax and enjoy the journey and enjoy the process because you're constantly working to the next thing. It's like, you might look back in, you know, 40 years and you're like, holy crap, I didn't even stop and enjoy what I was doing. You know? Yeah. Um, I think it's something to remember to celebrate those struggles because those struggles are going to be allowing you to also celebrate the successes. That's really good advice, I think, to anybody in, in any walk of life. Uh, what does your sort of CrossFit future look like now? So CrossFit future, um, as an individual competitor, um, I've closed that door. There is mm-hmm. a, a possibility, big possibility that I will do team. Um, if there's an opportunity to be on a team with uh, another girl and two other guys, then I will definitely um, uh, take that opportunity. Um I'm also going to, obviously, like I said, you know, focus on the long drive. There's a lot of opportunity there um, that I'm looking forward to pursuing and being able to share my passion for fitness and passion for wine within that golf community. And then obviously continue to grow the business, have more of our name here as a stable in Vegas to kind of be able to say, hey, like we're the local, I'm a local winemaker here in Vegas. Let's let's promote that brand and support the community here. I think a lot of people... Um, within the Vegas community are very supportive and you see that a lot with CrossFit right? the CrossFit community is very yeah. supportive mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's um, I think there's a lot of good future things to come with that um, I will be at the Granite Games competing as a team so I give you I'll give that little all right <laughs> can you can you spill the beans yeah. on who's on your team mm, can I spill the beans yeah, yeah probably uh, it'll be with the team with CrossFit Invictus Oh, okay. They have, man, they have, you can't swing a dead cat around there without hitting an Invictus team, it seems like. So I'm sure that's going to be a good, uh, that'll be a good, a good group. Good. I'm, you know, from a selfish standpoint, I'm glad I get to see you to continue to compete. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Again, like as an individual, I've loved it, enjoyed it, but I think um, the time to to close that door with the individual and again, team is something I've also, I've I've done in the past with like the invitational um, and team series. And so that was something I really enjoyed. So I was like, you know, that's still an option, um, yeah. going forward. So I'm excited to be able to do that in a little bit in two, about two weeks. Last question. Um, when people look back and, and remember you as an individual competitor, what do you want them to remember? That's a great question. I would, I, in terms of like, you think of like a word that describes me or just, a a presence. Yeah. Just the, the words that come to their mind. You know, like when I think back, I think mentally tough. Yeah. You know, I was, yeah, I was, I mean, mentally tough. I would say, um, perseverance and like determination that no matter what's ahead of me, that people, that's what they kind of, what, what they think of. I think community representative for sure. Um, I wouldn't be here without the community. I wouldn't be here without their support. Um, and I think something that, Another word that I would help come to mind would be entropy. Like you think controlled chaos. Like mm-hmm. you look at CrossFit and a workout could be so crazy. Um, whatever we got to do. Like I think of this workout from the past week in the first workout with the rucksack. You have to rope, climb a rope, and then you're running, and then you're throwing sandbags. As much as crazy and chaotic on the outside, you need to stay calm and, and mentally sound on the inside. 
So I would hope that's what people yeah. um, resonate or think of. And if people want to learn more about your wine business, where can they go? Uh, they So they can go to thevineyard.space. That's our website that we have all the information about the wine. And then they can check out my Instagram, 321go, G-A-U-X, mm-hmm. and the goat wine on Instagram as well. Great. Margo, thank you so much for uh, for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, watching it's you compete amazing. for the last six years, and I wish you nothing but the best moving forward, and I'm glad that you're going to maybe pursue the team angle. It's going to be great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Sean. This was yeah. amazing. Best of luck, Margo. Thanks. Big thanks to Margo Alvarez for taking the time to talk with me. If you want to check out her wine business, you can go to thevineyard.space. You can also follow Margo on Instagram at 321go, go being spelled G-A-U-X. Two Brain Radio with Sean Woodland is brought to you by Two Brain Business. For free advice and tips from the best-selling author, Chris Cooper, visit twobrainbusiness.com slash blog. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time.